electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, Pre-market trying to hold some gains here as Liz Truss resigns as prime minister in the U.K. after just 44 days. Got some solid corporate earnings, but again, rates at new cycle highs. Two-year hits for six. Our roadmap this morning begins with the big news out of the U.K. Liz Truss is out after a tumultuous six-week term. Also ahead, we're going to have uh, Tesla shares looking down. This after the company posted quarterly results. You're going to also want to hear what Elon Musk had to say on that earnings call. And rate hike fears. Yep, once again, just heard Joe mention that 10-year yield at the end of Squawk Box. That's getting to a level that we haven't seen since 2007. Let's get right to the global markets this morning as the prime minister in the U.K. does resign. Britain's shortest-serving Prime Minister uh, Jim and some reports now that Jeremy Hunt's not going to stand for Tory leader. So we'll see. She says we'll get an election within a week. These are very hard issues for us to process because uh, maybe I'm limited in my thinking. Height of earnings season, uh, getting really conflicting evidence that says how weak uh, Europe is. Europe is at the epicenter of weakness. They're probably already in a recession. Uh, and UK is a bit of a sideshow. Agreed. Uh, I'm not. I mean, is it is the brutal? Because yeah. it's such an important country historically. It is. Uh, the resignation of the PM there have any impact on our markets in a no real way? Ever. That said, there's a lot of people still looking at the tumult that took place, still going on, but less so I mean, in Brexit. their in their no in their bond markets. No, when look, when she first that. came in a couple of few weeks ago, and they introduced, of course, the plan to cut taxes uh, dramatically and sort of unfunded tax cuts, so to speak. Right, and then what that did to the underlying markets, people worry one day, well, could, could that ever come here, right? Well, I just think that there would be another time when we would just say that it's a giant clown show over there. I mean, there isn't anything there that impresses me as, as valid in the way to run a country. Mm. I mean, this, is, this was a great country. It could be a great country again. Are you talking about us or them? No, I'm talking oh, okay. about them. Oh, really? Okay. Well, no, I mean, like... Just checking. When you have, Carl, when you have a, a prime minister, uh, we have cabinet, everybody in trouble, move forward, and our, uh, our two-year ticks a little bit, uh, and someone's going to say it's related to Sterling? No. I mean, it's related to FedSpeak. Uh, look, we have to cover it. UK, UK is a real country. Uh, but I just think that there was a day when... I would have just been all over this trying to impact, figure out what the impact would be. Isn't this, isn't the story though that, it, I mean, it's a, it's a response to bond vigilantes and markets and not just policy, but now personnel doing well, I think huge U-turns. Look, if you do something that is completely uh, opposite of what we need in the world, which is to try to control inflation, then yeah, I mean, you deserve to be bounced. I mean, we're like at this critical moment in time where we have to stop inflation. And someone comes along with a plan that David is 
Let's stoke inflation. It was, and we did that in our country, and obviously we, we're harder on her than we are in this country. It was odd to say the least. It was um, odd. Yes, in terms of the timing. I, it, it I was, thought it was ill-advised. It may have been. Well, clearly it was ill-advised because she is the sh- shortest-serving prime minister ever. Uh, and we're in for our third just this year. Let's get to CNBC's Arbile Gumede in London with the latest on what happens next. Arbile? Yeah, so certainly the, the situation here is going to be quite tenuous, right? It was about three and a half months ago that Boris Johnson stood right here as well as um, uh, Prime Minister then issuing his resignation. And now Liz Truss pretty much doing the same, uh, saying as well that uh, another leader will then be found for the UK uh, within the week, having spoken to what is the 1922 committee, which is a leadership for the backbenches of the Conservative Party uh, here in the UK. Uh, That leadership then found uh, in just about a week's time then, and Jeremy Hunt, indeed, who is the Chancellor of the Exchequer, or the Finance Minister, saying that he will not be putting his name in the ballot box to uh, run as Conservative Party leader or as a Prime Minister. So that takes one person out of the equation. But there are a few names that are still uh, being bantered around then as possible leaders uh, for Prime Minister or the leadership of the Conservative Party. And that being Penny Mordaunt, who is currently uh, the leader of the Conservative Party within Parliament, then you also still uh, have Rishi Sunak, who ran against Liz Truss as Prime Minister uh, just around over a month ago now, before she was put in as a Prime Minister, of course. Uh, you also then have Boris Johnson, who actually leads the most recent YouGov poll as a possible candidate to take over from Liz Truss. Of course, he was the man in charge of 10 Downing Street just before Liz Truss. So very interesting that that name uh, brings and rears its head again then. Uh, coming out with a statement then at around uh, around 30 minutes ago, uh, Liz Truss, the Prime Minister then, had said that I recognize though that given the situation, I cannot deliver the mandate on which I was elected by the Conservative Party and have thus spoken to the King, His Majesty, uh, to notify him that I'm resigning as leader of the Conservative Party. All of this coming after that mini-budget on the September the 23rd, which indeed raised fear around market turmoil, even forcing the Bank of England, the central bank, to intervene in the guilt market and causing a whole host of turmoil, seeing the finance minister then uh, leave the office a few days later, and now even a home secretary, a home office secretary also leaving. So a lot of turmoil still happening. We'll see how this transpires. Just a remarkable morning. Thank you so much. CNBC's RB Legamire in London today. Let's turn to Tesla this morning. Down on the pre-market, uh, reporting lower than expected quarterly revenue, cutting the full-year delivery target. But Elon Musk on the call last night did remain bullish about the company and its demand. Can't emphasize enough. We, we have excellent demand uh, for Q4, and we expect to sell uh, every car that we make for as, as far into the future as we can see. So the factories are running at full speed and we're delivering every car we make and keeping operating margins strong. We're still a very small percentage of of the total vehicles on the road, of the 2 billion cars and trucks on the road. But we only have about 3.5 million. So we've got a long way to go to even reach 1% of the global fleet. Got a bunch of price target cuts this morning, Jim. Uh, Auto gross margin misses. Yeah, I look. I like the quarter, and, and I think that those who sell it are are making a mistake. He's got the, he, he, look, he he's got the, the the one fifty a killer, so to speak. Uh, 
and that's going to ship at the end of the quarter. Uh, he's talking about a tremendous op- opportunity to be able to export from China. No one else is able to do that. Berlin sounds really, really strong. The only thing I didn't like, and David, I want to question you on this directly. Okay, sir. Um, should Tesla be worth more than Apple and Saudi Aramco together? <laughs> uh, Apple, $2.3 trillion, Saudi Aramco, uh, $2.1. That's $4.4 bi- uh, trillion. trillion. Is that, was that right? And a buyback. Or, and here we're going to really get it. I'm putting David right on the red-hot griddle. Okay? Ready. Or, if you had to sell a lot of stock mm. to fund Twitter, wouldn't you like to have that language? You would. Uh, I'm going to have more on that, actually, on what's going on with Twitter and with uh, uh, furious equity raising going on there. I'm not sure it's going to result in him selling a lot of Tesla, and I'll talk about that really? later. I think possibly not, but well, I don't have all the facts. But you're, uh, you're absolutely right, Jim. Uh, it did get a lot of people's attention when he talked about seeing what he quoted was a potential path uh, for yeah, getting path, to that number. I believe we can even take a listen in his own words. Of the opinion that we can far exceed Apple's current market cap. In fact, I, I see a potential path for Tesla to be worth more than Apple and Saudi Aramco combined. So now that doesn't mean it will happen uh, or, or that will be easy. But for the first time, I am seeing, if I, I see a way for, for Tesla to be, uh, let, let's say, roughly twice the value of Saudi Aramco. And I think that's, I, I, haven't, I haven't quite seen that yet. I mean, I, this is the first time I've seen, seen that potential. It's the first time you've seen that potential, yeah, $4 trillion. Dollars. Listen, it's yeah, Elon Musk. The man point. is unlike anybody else in terms of creating value at this point. Tesla does have, what, a $700 billion market value right. even now. Uh, had been close to a trillion. SpaceX is worth at least $125, $130 billion. That's obviously a private company. And I will tell you as well, in, in private conversations, he has been telling potential Twitter holders that he thinks that company could be worth hundreds of billions, if not as much as a half a trillion. That even got a laugh out of Carl. (laughs) It's ambitious. That is what he's saying. That is what he is saying. That is what his advisors are telling people as well, that that is the opportunity in Twitter. So that would be a 10-bagger. Let's call it from 44 billion to 440 billion. Let's figure. And those who look to history and and his record, Jim, and say, see, he can do it, I wonder how much of that was due to an era of uh, low cost of capital, government subsidies, industry uh, trying to make a turn. Uh, look, uh, in terms of EV business, holy cow! I mean, he's making every car, every car sells, no advertising needed. On Twitter, I remember speaking with Mark Benioff during the period when Salesforce, when he was debating uh, buying Twitter. And Twitter was to look nothing like Twitter does now. It's the X app, though. He keeps talking about it. It's going to be the app for the X. I don't know what that means, but it's going to be the X app. Well, it's kind of like the Cosmos. We don't know what the Cosmos means. We don't. We don't. But listen, the company did $3.3 billion. This is Tesla in profits. And cash flow is fabulous. Cash flow is is real. They're going to approach $100 billion in revenues not not too long in a year. The aluminum injection system that is in the one-tenth of a blink of an eye, he's able to make the front part. There's very few parts coming in. I mean, the guy is, I mean, Henry Ford, he's Henry Ford without that kind of a odd uh, political. Well, he deal. gets kind of political, too. But, yeah, but not, they, not, as, not, not as, uh, as couched against a particular religious group. Correct. Thankfully. Try to thin the 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's. Yeah. Uh, Evercore today uh, does point out Dan Ives. The bullish narrative is being challenged. The question, Jim, is: um, is this about um, is this about logistics issues? The bullish narrative or, or, or being softening challenged. demand and increased competition <laughs> oh, all no. around the globe. It's completely wrong. It's about the fact that the man is just unbelievable, even in a recession. He's got the cars that people want. I thought it was remarkable, other than his decision to do the you know the the comparison, which I thought was rude. What, saying that he could have a $4 trillion? Well, I just didn't like that. You didn't I thought it was to. interesting that he said for yeah, yeah. the first time he believes that to be well, the but, case. But didn't fully explain why now as opposed to last yeah. quarter. Every, there is, is, when you're on calls about China, I mean, China, you could, one could argue that China's falling apart. And that whether they, they haven't even been able to steal the Pfizer vaccine and reverse it. Can you imagine they haven't been able to steal Moderna? I mean, but the, where are the, the, where are the intellectual thieves that I've come to expect? China, Chinese people may not want to uh, have, well, they can have reverse a foreign, and it, a foreign they can vaccine. Reverse it and you know, but they want their own sign of that. There's one part of China's economy that is working, and that's Tesla. It's remarkable. He's using China's best export area. I mean, he's figured out export in China. Everyone else has shut him Talked down. Talked about that yesterday. I thought, it was so, I thought the call was so impressive, with, with the exception of the... Uh, he better not, he should not sell any well, stock. Listen, you know what? Ron Barron comes on. Ron Barron is one of the greatest investments we've ever seen, of course. And he talks about those kinds of numbers, too. Well, you, do you think that that relationship can coexist with what policy is turning into in this country regarding China? That's a very interesting question. I don't know. We I hope so. We thought that, that Trump, when he said he was going to drop a nuclear weapon on the top of Xi if he did anything in Taiwan, we thought that was a ratchet up. But in recent, that was just a private conversation. But what if you listen to what Lamb Research said yesterday, mm-hmm. which big remember Lamb Research is the, the number one intellectual property company for semi chip making equipment. Done. 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 So there's you know Lamb, no, Tesla, yes. I mean I'm surprised he wasn't brought in on Apple, the yes, Starbucks, yes, Nike, yes. Made in China for China is the way to do it, David. Okay? Although when it comes to Tesla, it's made in China for much of the rest Everybody. of the world, not here. Yeah, but the only thing that China can really be proud of at this moment is, is Musk. I think they might differ with uh, well, that. They, moved, that, they, they might moved, say okay, something. Okay, so what different. they did, I just have to do this. I know there's music in my ear. I don't care. I just want to say something. What they've done is switch to coal, okay? Thank you very much for what you do to the environment in order to sell the energy in LNG in Europe. Now, that's what I call what's called pickling. You know, that's the term they use. Pickling. That's where you arbitrage things. When we come back, Merrick Gambler. <laughs> we'll, we'll hit IBM, uh, beating on both the top and the bottom lines. Uh, pretty good revenue growth. We'll get to, as Jim says, Lamb Research, AT&T, Tractor Supply, Dow, Danaher, UNP, and a bunch more. Don't go anywhere. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. 
For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big-picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. We have continued to focus our portfolio, invest in our offerings, technical talent, and ecosystem, and streamline our go-to-market model. With strong performance through the first three quarters, we are taking up our revenue expectations for the year and now expect 2022 revenue above our mid-single-digit model. That was IBM CEO Arvind Krishna on the uh, call uh, last night for the company. You can see the stock looks like it's going to be up 4%, but I'm getting a bit of a different read this morning. Uh, Yes, they did uh, exceed their revenue goals, um, but free cash flow conversion was very poor, uh, and a number of investors I've spoken to at least are very much focused on that. They generated $752 million in free cash flow for the quarter. The consensus was $2.2 billion. Uh, and that does leave them to meet what is still their $10 billion free cash he flow target. Q, he reiterated Q4. So Correct. That, saying that, that, that they're that going a, to do... That's nitpicking. Saying they're going to do $6 billion in free cash flow. I don't believe it is nitpicking at all. I think it all. is nitpicking. Uh, in fact, was excellent. In fact, inve- uh, analysts are taking down their calendar 23 numbers to around 946 from what had been 990. The gap between Gap and Pro Forma was the biggest since 2014. Oh, now, to be fair, they did have a $4.4 billion. They did have a $4.4 billion after tax charge as a non, non-cash charge for the pension. But the pension, but that was explained um, in the previous quarter. David, the revenues. Can we, revenues. Why, why revenues? If it's empty, because if it's empty calories, Jim, if it's revenues that aren't generating profit margin, who cares? If you're booking stuff that's not going to necessarily generate free cash flow. Can I, By the way, you're right. And I have a quote here, a to be quarter. fair, from quarter. the CFO on the call. A straight shooter. He said, we had a very big fourth quarter. We have a very big fourth quarter in front of us. We've got to do roughly six billion of free cash flow. That's about sixty percent of our free cash flow, by the way. But we did in 2017 to 2020. We did it at or better than six billion of free cash flow in that same quarter. So we've got the right portfolio, the right set of operational actions, and that is what we're focused the on. The so, deal's working. Eighteen percent. Okay, twelve percent. Uh, if you do the currency, David. The most important thing is that there were actually these same people. These people whispering in my ear: dividends in trouble. They have a ton of cash. The dividend is not in trouble. The numbers were good. A lot can, of people feel. I can, no. I can see you're absolutely positive. Well, it's a hard free, free cash be. flows, a percent of revenue, five percent. What down from thirteen percent? Free ca- uh, uh, net income as a percent of free uh, free cash flows, percent of net income, forty-two percent. Had been ninety-eight percent. Explain to me what's going on there. Then why aren't the, why isn't stuff dropping to the bottom line? Okay. First of all, I think the fourth quarter should be gigantic. Second, well, you think that because they said that, but should we believe them? Yes. Okay. Why? Why? Because the hybrid strategy is indeed working. And they got rid of a lot of stuff. They gave Kindrel all of their low-end reselling business. It's unfortunate that Kindrel is a tough own. Uh, I think that what we saw is an actual growth part. See, I'm focused on the growth, that they're returning to growth. 
Okay, but if you're if you're booking revenues that aren't going to really generate profits, then is that is that really what you want to be focused on? Well, Particularly I, I did, if investors are focused okay, on that free cash flow. I disagree that it won't generate profits. You think it will I over think time? Getting actual business that people are using, right. and that the Red Hat strategy is working, and that basically I was looking for revenue growth. I did not want bottom line. I'm sick of the bottom line GE. Why? Well, no more GE. I mean, David's I'm point is goes beyond IBM. It's a series of reports now where. Bottom line's been tough, but revenue's been ahead, right. or margins have missed. In, in case of IBM, they did. Well, I just I felt that they their growth strategy starting starting to pay off, and that Arvin. I was very skeptical uh, when I looked at the situation. I came back and said, you know what, it's a decent quarter. And the people, the haters, are going to come out and say uh, that the, the bottom line. But these were the same people who told me to worry about the top line. You can't keep making it so that well, hold it, Jim. It's the top line. You didn't look look at that. You, you're looking at the bottom line, and then, you know, they switch you. I mean, it's Kim. Maybe I want to judge this company as a growth company, and I think there was growth there, and that's my point. That's well, my point. I think that we can remember this moment, and we will take a look at what they delivered in terms of free cash flow for the fourth quarter. And if they hit that $10 billion number, as they seem confident in doing, I think we can sit here and say, okay. We. They did it. No, not we, because I've already said they're going okay. to I will. Okay. Uh, I will make note of it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Good, good talk. Good talk. Thank you. We'll, we'll get Kramer's Mad Dash and we'll count down to the opening bell. Keep your eye on yields today. We got more Fed speak on the way. Tenure not too far away from the morning's highs of uh, 418. Don't go away. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Shei, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Once again, a series of uh, pretty solid corporate earnings clashing with uh, new cycle highs in rates. you got the terminal funds rate now topping 5%. Obviously, some international news as well out of the U.K. Futures have been in and out of the red. Opening bell in a few moments. And don't forget, you can always catch us anytime, anywhere. Just listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. All right, we've got three and a half minutes before we get started. Two, excuse me, two and a half minutes before we get started with trading uh, here on this Thursday. You want to hit the transportation yeah, sector see, a I bit for Mad Dash? Uh, now, this company called Knight Swift, that must be one of the largest trucking companies in the country. And they talked about a sharp decline in demand. It cut the forecast. I'd say the boom is over. Spot rates have collapsed. They're basically saying that business has had a sudden deterioration. Well, you know what this reminds me of? Right. FedEx. So you're beginning to see, we can get to Union Pacific too, which also had not great numbers, but this is part of the slowdown. Now, some of this would be, I think, what Dow Chemical's talking about, which is housing. Housing has really started to come down as a major engine. Appliances come down as a major engine. But night transportation, I found very jarring because you know it. There was a time, David, where we didn't have enough truckers. Wow. Uh, the Everything was going wrong in terms of supply. Now there's plenty of, tr- of supply, but... The cost that they have in terms of truckers has not gone down. But Didn't we hit J.B. Hunt the other day, too? J.B. Hunt was similar. Yeah. I mentioned it. Okay. J.B. Hunt was similar, too. J.B. Hunt, too. These are very well-run companies. And they're seeing a deterioration that's so rapid that it's important to point out for those who think that everything's fine in this country. And we can sit here and talk about the prime minister 
of the UK. Or we can talk about. So, what does it say to you? Collapse. What are the broader takeaways from this? What this you're hearing the, from these? This is the beginning. Transportation companies. Okay, so we're not. I mean, Dow talked about how there's housing decline. No one's talking about wage declines yet, and we certainly don't have any food declines. But if you're the Fed and you're going to continue to raise, you now recognize that there's parts of the economy that are doing quite poorly. Uh, you don't care because your goal is to make it so that we break wage growth and the average cost for a household of $445 per month right. has to come down. But this is the beginning. This is the beginning of what you should be hearing, which is that like FedEx, commerce, because the transports are great leaders, commerce is coming down. Now, Union Pacific did not give you any reason to be excited either. So I think it's in keeping. If you're with the Fed, you should be saying, you know, it's going our way, like Bullard. It's going our way. We've got to keep it going, but it's going our way. And, you know, but Carl, as, well, I'm, I, but as far as I'm concerned, anything that indicates they are on track is positive for those who eventually think that next year at this time will be in good shape. Yeah. There's the opening bell and the CNBC Real-Time Exchange with the big board of Stillwell Partners and Emerald Holding uh, celebrating Advertising Week here in New York. At the NASDAQ, an IPO, Prime Medicine, a biotech focused on genetic Therapies. Everything you're saying, Jim, uh, Kashkari last night acknowledging the pain in housing, suggesting headline CPI may have peaked. Does that le- uh, give credence to Gunlock's tweet about, I thought, I thought, you about know, peak I've, yields? I've been on the other side of Gunlock when he talks about stocks a lot, but I never when he talks about bonds. And I thought that was, uh, he made a lot of cogent points. Uh, it's just that, I, look, we can't get food down. Also, I, 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 someone, I've been getting... Uh, in touch with, with money. I usually don't talk to money managers. But there is this kind of growing uh, belief that if somehow Russia and Ukraine could come to a detente, which means play for a tie, then we would begin and China would be able to reverse uh, engineer an mRNA or Pfizer, then you're going to come down on the wrong side of growth. I come back and I say it's already deteriorating so quickly in Europe. And if it weren't for our LNG being shipped there, they would, they would collapse in the wear. Uh, China shows no signs of doing anything positive, and those are slowing the economy, and our, our country is really being impacted by the rates. So they're, the Fed's winning. Uh, it's painful when they're winning, but they're winning. Yeah, you kind of sound like Dow Chemical. Uh, well, it's like U.S. resilient. <laughs> I'm, I'm repeating what Jim yeah. Fitterling uh, says. EU challenge, China challenge, yeah. a six-quarter low in OperaNet. Yes, yeah. and your thing, really bad, which is housing. But Fitterling's still doing better than expected at this point, which is why the stock is up. But Europe, Europe call, he's calling recession. Now, by the way, Alcoa, which was disastrous in the sense that there's no increase. The prices are coming down and their costs are going way up, including two European uh, factories, David, where the cost of energy is 10 times here. Right. And now Alcoa, thank heavens, is not down three or four because they do have some demand. But we're getting over and over again, David, fundamental things that are weakening that should weaken if we're going to have any hope here. Remember, we're not hoping for good. We're hoping for weak. <laughs> right. Like right. Nucor today, weaker than, yeah. their, than what they were projecting. The great steel company. So, you know, I, I, another, I'm, like, I'm focusing. I, I don't, don't get distracted by me, Jim. Focus yourself. I'm, I'm just getting myself ready to talk about AT&T. I like the fact that he's forward thinking. That's good. We got to think. We got right. someone to do recon. Exactly. But Nucor missed, and I think Nucor is a great American company. They had lower shipping volumes. So you have steel, aluminum, trucking, urethane. 
you put them all together and you can make a pastiche which just says, Fed, you're winning. As opposed to saying, Fed, you're destroyed. Because they're not doing that. They're winning. I would add that Philly Fed was a miss. And yet yet prices paid were higher. See, this is... It's like night, night swift. I mean, they're still paying the truckers more. They've not been able to break the wage cycle. David, do you have anything in your pile of tricks over there that could break the <laughs> wage cycle? Was it Felix the cat? Uh, let me look. <laughs> no, I don't see anything. Sorry. Uh, let, me, let me check my texts. Uh, no, no, I, got, I don't have it. Right, I can't break the wage cycle oh, for you. This, David, I've got the agreement with Dell. Yeah, well, we want to talk about Dell that. Brian, it's an interesting my old story. Brian Trot, not, two old friends. Not, yes, Byron Trott's yeah. firm and Michael Dell's firm getting together to help rich people get richer is how I describe what, it. What are you, Lennon? These are enormous. <laughs> Don't give me your Lennon rap. These are enormous. These are, these are firms that are uh, already focused. It's a, actually a very interesting story, but again, well, not related two to. Two of the finest guys who've ever gone through Goldman. Now they Greg have their, Lemkow runs Michael Dell's family David, office. So what's to speak. Walk, being walked by right now? Don't be. Don't be that Adam. It's a picture of a giraffe. Okay. Um, I want you to recognize, David, it's not rich people getting richer. It's smart people doing the right thing. Is that what it is? Well, because you, I'm pro-capitalist. Uh, as a mind. Are you going to throw uh, Lane Byron Trots under the curr- bus now? Byron Trotz currently raising a, a $13 billion fund. But putting these two companies together, they are going to, this is Byron Trotz, um, a BDT, uh, uh, along with MSD banker. Partners, right, was, uh, became famous as a result of being Buffett's banker. Uh, is basically going to provide sort of an institution, an investor base for, um, well, for many very wealthy people. For example, tech founders who are trying to find a, a place to put their capital that can compound over time. They're not looking for enormous amounts of risk, but allow them to diversify their capital base away from their original fund. You know, I think certain parts of the big investment so. banks that focus so. on these kinds of things, absolutely. Because, and you know why? It's a multi-class yeah, asset manager at this point with a large private equity fund that also is going to be able to have under Lemcow an advisory capacity. But they are not looking, Jim, in any way to compete with the likes of a Goldman or even a, uh, you know, a Guggenheim. That's not their plan. But at this very moment, if I were those, those different firms, I would say, you know what, Lemcal powerhouse, loved, Trot, fantastic, loved. I remember uh, Trot when I was at Goldman. These are two loved people. Now I say, and David is, has tended to not like or love or anything bankers. He's very neutral. But David, if I asked you about those two people, about Lemcal and Trot, you know what I think you would say? What? Fine people. Yes. Fine. Well, that, that's about the, see, you give faint praise. I damn with faint praise. You give faint praise. But these guys, I mean, I read it and I said, whoa, I'm glad I'm not going against those um, two. Well, I'm not going to give faint praise this morning at at and I'm just going to say, hey, they reported a quarter that a lot of people seem to like, including investors right now. The stock's up 6.7%. John Stanky was a guest earlier on Squawk Box. Uh, they, you know, they exceeded uh, many analysts' expectations in terms of subscriber additions. Um, being it's uh, seeing it here described by a number of analysts as, you know, better wireless ads, revenue, EBITDA growth. Uh, for its part, J.P. Morgan reiterates what was an overweight uh, and Goldman Sachs saying solid results, improved or maintained its 22 guidance for key financial metrics. Um, you see all the ads. You see what is perhaps very active promotional uh, uh, AT&T, but it's but working. Apple, Apple. It's working and getting them customers. Don't you think it's interesting that Apple was mentioned on the Goldman call? 
working, getting customers. Here, working ATT, and yet there's going to be some report from some publication we've never heard of where somebody got shorted, okay, and leaks that there indeed are microchips that involve the broad part of the antenna of the, of the 14 Pro, and you got to sell Apple. Meanwhile, Apple is, is integral to, to Verizon, to, Hans Vesper going to, to Verizon, to ATT, to T-Mobile, to Goldman Sachs. But David, there is a part, according to imagination.com, imaginationdragon.com, which says that they are not ordering as many chips that they use for the sound system. Right. All right, so you're tossing that in the junk pile, the idea that I'm there's any issues I'm saying that people get short, they call some stupid yeah. publication that doesn't, but no, not stupid, ill-advised publication that doesn't really do double check. And by the way, can I just say, Carl, if you are a supplier and you talk to the press, you'll never get another order from Apple again. So is it worth it to give it to ImagineDragons.com that they didn't get any orders? Did you see the Mizuho desk note about that information report? Basically saying two sources, really? On Apple's supply chain, you have any idea how complex Apple's global supply Apple chain is? Apple could pull from one to another. They could go from China to, to you know, any. I mean, Apple sources better than any other company. When you speak to a lot of these companies of supply chain problems, with the exception of Tesla, which, by the way, wants to be as big as uh, Apple and, <laughs> and, and Saudi Aramco combined. With the exception of Tesla, let's just nobody, go with four trillion. Nobody dollars. has a better supply chain than Apple. And you um, don't by the way, talk. Uh, on AT&T, that's uh, back to the 50-day for the first time in oh, a long time. Yes. AT&T uh, was uh, riding a on the back of AT&T good. is, uh, you it know, was consumer good. wireline, fiber net ads of 338,000. Uh, uh, estimates were below that. Um, AT&T's beat, you know, postpaid phone net ads, 708,000. And again, that was ahead of most of the analysts' uh, expectations. Um, their free cash flow number, and this goes back to IBM a bit, was $3.8 billion. Uh, that was a bit below what had been the consensus. Uh, Stanky also did talk about inflationary pressures and a number of other things right. uh, in his interview with the uh, Squawk Box gang earlier. But let's give AT&T its due for this morning. You've been very critical of the company in the well, past. Well, but when it got down here, I said, enough is enough. There's, it's just not... It's just not worth it to be negative on them. I happen to be a big fan of T-Mobile. I know you are. And listen, that's well, been the been right place to be without a thank doubt. Thank you. Because you know, the inverse with, Kramer is short T-Mobile. Without a doubt. And by the way, uh, uh, the inverse uh, Kramer hates my wife. T-Mobile's market cap now exceeds that of Verizon by $14 billion, just to put that in perspective. Isn't that something? Remember uh, about six weeks ago, I was talking about, remember how it passed that for the first time? Right. I mean... It's left it in the we dust. We have to keep those things in perspective. Those. Believed to have the best network uh, is now T-Mobile, not Verizon. No, I know. And growing the fastest have you by switched? far. I have not. I sat next to Mike Zebra. You know, it's one of those things where, the, it, it's to say, when you sit next to T-Mobile guys, they look at your phone and they're like, two tin cans are talking to each other. They are so aggressive, they try to convince you. Right. Right there, right in the spot. I said, what is that? I said, what's a Verizon? Well, what? Uh, you know, hands down the worst. That's, I, that's where I got that joke. <laughs> T-Mobile. I got it. Always selling. Yeah, at and is going to lead the S&P this morning. That what is that? That doesn't happen a lot. Um, no. American, Jim, uh, with the beat, guiding above for the I December quarter. The quarter. Even better than the pre-announcement. Load factor 85.3 is up almost seven points from a year ago. I was going back and forth with Phil LeBeau about whether the industry really does have fundamental change. Uh, because you, typically you can't buy this going into any sort of recession. But this theme about the weekends and the new way we work means that you can travel 
like every every week's a three day weekend, which of course, by the way, jives with my people don't do jack when they're at home on Fridays. It is absolutely incredible that there could be an airline renaissance. Uh, premium cabin load factor up five to ten points free from pre-COVID. Now, Jim, they're saying first-class cabins will no longer exist because that gives them more room to enlarge the business-class cabin. I just think that they can charge at will. People are flying overseas. Hey, you can probably go to London right now and get, you know, one of those bespoke Larry Kudlow suits for I don't know what price. What do you think? Probably like like the way uh, Men's Warehouse. Nice, yeah. two hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, for a bespoke suit. No, yeah. I'm talking about people realizing we have not talked about this enough. We talk about the strong dollar and it's endlessly negative. But how about for the inflationary factor of you can go and travel, which people do post-pandemic, and the rest of the world is our oyster. Our oyster. You know, like the, the ones from the West Coast. I'm ready Washington. to travel anytime you want. You guys going to hit the road? I'm ready. You with me? Wherever I we want to go. Can, I'll lend you your place in Italy. What do you mean lend me? There was a time we used to take the show on the road. I'm ready. Meet our dozens of fans in other well, cities. Just a sec. I want to see what the weather is in Florence because, man, if it goes before, below um, 34, we're going to lose our whole crop. Guys, so I have time to talk a bit about Twitter because I wanted to add to sort of what I was discussing with Tesla <laughs> earlier. Florence is 77. Uh, the Florence crop lives. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, no, don't be sorry. Uh, because, you know, we're getting closer, of course, to the close of the Twitter transaction. And I have been told by any number of people uh, lately that um, there is a furious effort underway to raise uh, more equity, raise more equity for this deal. Uh, this is in addition to the $7 billion that has already been circled by Elon Musk, remember, with the investor base that he talked about, that, that we know about. This is in addition to Mr. Musk's contribution. Um, there are emails going out to capital sources from all sorts of different institutions saying, you want in? You want in? You want in? 100 million bucks. Can you do 100 million? Can I interest you in more? Maybe a little more. Here's some of the uh, writing that's, uh, that we're seeing right now. This is very interesting, Dave. Um, first of all, we've received communication from the bankers. The closing will be on October 28th. So that's exciting, isn't it? Uh, we would like to affirm this transaction is for people who want to back Elon and believe in his vision and operational superiority. The transaction will include a substantial pivot on strategy to transform itself into a super app under the moniker XCorp. And that bears a substantial risk. It is not valued in a conventional way, as is the case with Tesla and SpaceX. But a number of these are people firms that are out are there. Are people buying this rap? I don't know if they're buying it, but this is part of what's going on right now, trying to gather up as many equity commitments as they can Stock from well-heeled investors saying, come on with Elon. And by the way, there is also something else here, which is, hey, don't forget SpaceX. Uh, you know, you, maybe you want to get in on that too at some point. Um, and mentions, of course, of SpaceX in terms of the valuation at one point in the early going and what it is now what Tesla was, as we talked about earlier. But you know, I'm a believer there is a lot many of furious make Twitter better. equity fundraising going on right now. I've heard this from any number of different people who've been approached. So they're out there. Maybe that will preclude Mr. Story. Musk from selling more Tesla stock. Good, I don't know. Because we don't want this to be a pump and dump. That's going to be a 5 to $10 billion buyback, maybe, and we're as big as uh, Saudi Arabia. I don't even want to say it because it's so ridiculous. But this is very good. I continue to believe that there are ideas for Twitter that we have no idea 
what Twitter's going to really look like, but it's going to be better than today. It's going to be a super app under the moniker X. Well, it's That's not going to be the Gowanus Canal it's anymore. Transform I swim the Gowanus every day. It's into very irritating. It's a super app under the moniker X Corp. Yeah, a lot of comparisons to WeChat. Um, although, I mean, how much are regulators interested in watching this thing get bigger, not small? I don't know, but I'm going to reiterate that I think Meta's not going to blow up in my face. It's going to be a private company next Friday. What? Twitter. And then what do we do? How do we measure it? I don't know. We don't. We don't get measured? Okay. Uh, meantime, guys, pretty mixed market. Uh, Dow's up S&P lower. Uh, energy uh, leading along with some tech. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Hey, Bob. Good morning, guys. Uh, flattish open, you're right. And given the worries about an imminent earnings collapse, which is not materializing, uh, I guess that's a bit of a victory. Take a look at the sectors. Calls right. Energy's leading. But if you look again at the risk on stuff, uh, semis, uh, arc innovation, uh, metals and mining. So those are the three big risk on. Uh, all uh, fractionally positive, as you can see here. Uh, it, a lot of earnings starting to come in. We're getting close to 20% of the S&P 500 reporting. Uh, some big companies with earnings beats. IBM, we've been talking about that all day. AT&T, nice move there. Uh, American Airlines did well, but see down here. But it's had a, a move up recently. Union Pacific, that was a beat. Uh, but they had gave very cautious guidance, particularly on car loads. So I think they're going to be lowering the fourth quarter estimates for Union Pacific. So that's down. We did have a few misses. Uh, Jim was talking about night. But I was curious uh, that some of the big super regionals, Fifth Third and Key Corp, also had misses. They weren't big, uh, a few pennies. But uh, given some of the beats we've seen in some of the big banks, uh, that was a little surprising. So they're down uh, fractionally. Uh, overall, the earnings trend has been favorable. Uh, but the sentiment, investor sentiment is still just awful. I keep following this, the uh, American Association of Individual Investors and uh, weekly survey. Look at these numbers, 22%. These are near historic lows. Usually bullish is about 40%. Bearish is, uh, you know, something like 30%, 28%. These are completely inverted. Uh, and they've been this way for weeks and weeks on end. So it's still pretty negative investor sentiment. Despite the fact, though, uh, the bottom line is so far, the numbers are not bad. Remember, everybody's expecting this imminent ap apocalypse in earnings, and it's not happening. So far for the third quarter, we're expecting 3% overall growth. Uh, much of the boost is from the energy sector still, but it's not collapsing even in tech. 4.7% is the fourth quarter growth. Normally, when you get a recession, this is what everyone believes, earnings tend to drop somewhere around 20% or more. That is not happening. So if you look at the times here, earnings during recessions, just recently, earnings have dropped rather dramatically in 89 to 91, 24, 2000, 31. During the big one, uh, the great, uh, great uh, recession in 2008, down 56%, but that's a real anomaly, uh, and 22% in, uh, during COVID. Uh, that's how much earnings have declined. The good news uh, is that the market bounces back. The earnings usually bounce back within a year or two. And even if you look at the S&P 500, just at the price, it's fairly rare to have declines of 20% or more. It's only happened 10 times since 1950. But if you look one year later, after the decline, it's higher than it was 70% of the time, and its average gain is 15%. And Carl, that includes even the, the down years. So the bottom line here is that not only is there no evidence of an imminent earnings collapse down 20%, but even if one happened, the historical evidence is that you're made whole two-thirds of the time. And 
Carl, that is the beauty of capitalism, a very ruthlessly efficient allocator of capital. Carl, back to you. Bob, thanks. Uh, Bob Pisani. As we go to break, let's check bonds this morning. Another busy day in macro. We've gotten some indicators, but we'll get uh, Jefferson, Cook, and Bowman in terms of Fed speak, uh, leading economic indicators and existing at the top of the hour with the two-year not far from 4.6. Biggest laggards on the S&P, pretty much all earnings related. Allstate is at the top of the list as we get a better picture of the losses out of Hurricane Ian. But there's Tesla, Alaska, Danaher, Tractor Supply, Hal Lawton was on Squawk earlier this morning. We'll talk uh, with Jim in a moment. Get stopped trading. Don't go anywhere. Time for Jim and stop trading. I was going to talk about how much I like Pioneer, which was downgraded to a sell yesterday, very, I think, ill-advised. But I have to focus on Danaher. Danaher is a great American company. It did have a couple lines in it about how they might have some uh, issues uh, COVID bioprocessing business, maybe there's a little too much inventory. If you sell Danaher down here, you do not know what kind of company. You should never have bought it. You don't know who these people are who run it. These are the smartest people, I would say, in life sciences. And, David, I think you'd agree with me that this is one heck of a well-run company. And selling it down 11 has historically been a mistake. Uh, yes. Uh, originally the Rails Brothers, $180 billion market value even sure. now. Even sure. now. They got a great business that they bought from GE. Uh, their life science business is uh, second to none. Abbott Labs and T-Mobile, I'm sorry, and, and Timo, Thermo Fisher, both had problems. People were saying, well, listen, Dan is like them. Dream on. So sell Dan if you want. Get the hell out of that stock. I own it for my child trust. I want you to sell it because I'm going to be a buyer. Sell it to me. Use moron because I need your stock. Uh, about a three-month low, uh, but off of the opening lows as yeah. well. Yeah, you know, the, I think the giraffe was selling because <laughs> the giraffe joined Jeffrey the giraffe, is in my mentions column talking smack to me, and I want him to sell all of his Danaher right to me. Take it so to 200, smack. you joker. <laughs> well, you giraffe. gave it to Jeffrey. You couldn't even see. Blind giraffe finds Danaher. Great. Uh, tonight, Jim, what do you got? I don't even know. <laughs> Maybe well, Jeffrey the Giraffe? I, I, you'll, have, I have Valero. You'll have Snap and CSX to get around. I have Valero. Around. This company is one of the great. Bull Moore. Do you know why I once bull? I used to be a 146 bowler, Dave. No, I didn't know that. And I, I thought I knew everything about you. My elbow. But I'm always finding new things out. You're you just have an your, endless you series ball? of mysteries. Yeah. What? Ball, your own ball and jacket? Like uh, Lebowski? Of course. Really? Absolutely. Really? I had a gym. I had a blue gym and I had a red gym. Nice. I was on team, Dave. I think, we should, I think we should go bowling. Do I enjoy bowling. my former wife uh, bowled a 180. Really? Aaron Kramer. <laughs> uh, Jim, we'll see you tonight. Oh, we, we did as much as we could this hour. We got a lot to it. We got a lot of tweets. Dan Hurst, sell it to me. Gotcha. Take gotcha. it down to 200. When, when we come back, a lot more on Tesla's quarter. IBM up big since you trashed it. I there didn't trash it. I had a, oh. a, a debate with you about the, the, the virtues of the quarter. I'm calling him Renaissance. This is all an honor. You just, you just don't like that, you? Renaissance. And Amazon's doing well, too. We don't, don't go anywhere. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.